Psalm number 30, and as we read, we remember this is God's word. A psalm, a song at the dedication of the house of David. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you, his saints. And give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favour is for life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Now, in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favour, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face and I was troubled. I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing. Praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Amen. We thank God for this reading that comes from his truth. Well, let's take a moment in prayer to ask God's help to understand it. Let's pray. O God, we thank you that your word is living and active, that it is powerful that it is sharp and cuts to our very hearts. We pray today that as as we study this passage together, this psalm, we, we ask, O oh God, that you would help us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds and to give us the faith that we need to believe what this psalm says is true for us. And so, O God, we ask for your help, because without it we can do nothing. And we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Saviour. Amen. Well, as you know, we are just back from our holidays. And maybe, like me, many of you use the opportunity of being away on your holidays to do a bit of reading. My job actually requires me to do a lot of reading for, for preparation for sermons and that sort of thing, and I'm doing that constantly, but whenever we're away on holidays, I like to read for entertainment. And this summer when we were away, I managed to finish a series of books that I've been trying to get through for most of the last year. It's not my first time reading them, though they're probably up there with my all-time favorite books. 
Now, I don't know, you've probably guessed this about me by this stage, but your minister is a great big nerd. And this fact will end all doubt about that because the books I managed to finish reading during the summer were the Lord of the Rings series. Throughout the Lord of the Rings books, there's a great deal of Christian symbolism. The author, J.R.R. Tolkien, was a devout and practicing Roman Catholic. One of the big themes that runs through the books is something that Tolkien called a eucatastrophe. Eucatastrophe. It's something we've talked about before, actually, when we studied Mark's gospel. And it's best understood by understanding that it's the opposite of a catastrophe. Think about a, a moment of catastrophe in a book or a movie or whatever. It's the moment when all hell breaks loose. When everything falls apart and it seems as if all hope is gone. Well, a eucatastrophe then, according to Tolkien, who made up the word, is the moment when all heaven breaks loose. It's the moment when everything comes together in the right way and hope is tremendously fulfilled and answered. In the Lord of the Rings, this happens when the one ring is destroyed in Mount Doom and and the big baddie of the book, Sauron, is finally defeated once and for all. And after this happens, one of the main characters, Sam, says to another of the main characters, Gandalf, he says this. He says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. But then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? Is everything sad going to come untrue? That's the best way to describe a eucatastrophe. Everything that's sad coming untrue. And that's what's at the heart of our psalm today. And it's really at the heart of the gospel message, isn't it? We in the church are sitting on a eucatastrophe. We have the best news ever that through the life, death and resurrection of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, everything sad is going to come untrue. Weeping is turned to joy. Mourning is turned to dancing. Sackcloth is put off and we are clothed with gladness. Today we have a psalm which shows us the the path to joy, path to gladness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because no matter what you're dealing with today, no matter what you're dealing with in the coming week or the coming month and year, no matter the trials and the difficulties, the worries and the stresses which are real, Maybe you're starting a new school. Maybe the new term that's about to start has you a bit worried. University, workplaces are filling your mind with doubt. Maybe it's finances that are consuming you at the minute. How are we going to make it to the next paycheck? Maybe sickness is a major concern for you, a sick child or or a sick parent, maybe your own health. Maybe you're grieving today. Maybe you've lost a loved one and, and that's left you in pain and sorrow and loneliness. None of those sadnesses, not one of them, 
will not be fixed by the resurrection. This psalm is honest and it is realistic, as the psalms so often are. Weeping is a reality. And weeping may endure. There are times of sadness and difficulty in this life, and some of us are facing them right now. They may endure for the night. But you see what happens in the morning? Joy comes in the morning. The death and resurrection of Jesus changes everything. The resurrection is what makes all sad things come untrue. The resurrection turned death inside out. And it is the only hope and comfort that any one of us can have in this life or in death. The resurrection changes everything. If you have your Bibles there, please do turn with me to Psalm number 30. As I say, this psalm is a a pathway to joy for David. And the big message, the big theme of this psalm is that God is the one who prepares the path and God is the one who leads us down the path. Through Jesus Christ, God takes sorrow and he turns it to joy. There are three sections in this psalm. Firstly, verses 1 to 5 where David remembers that God is, in fact, good. Verses 6 to 10, then, David puts away pride. And finally, verses 11 and 12, David praises God for his grace. And so those are our points today. I want us to remember that God is, in fact, good. I want us to put away pride, and I want for us to praise God for his grace. The psalm begins, as many psalms do, in the night of weeping. The title that's given to the psalm isn't terribly well understood in the commentaries. A song for the dedication of the house of David. But one suggestion that's made is that David has maybe come through some sort of plague. And having recovered from that, he dedicates his house to the Lord. You can see that kind of language of God having kept him alive and and not let him go down to the pit. What's important for us, I think, to know is that once again, the covenant king of God's people has been in a time of suffering. And the beginning of his path to joy comes from an assessment looking back and remembering that God is, in fact, good. (coughs) Remember that God is, in fact, good. When we look at David's words in verses 1 to 3, You'll notice that they are in the past tense. David recalls a past time of suffering, a time when he cried out to God and God lifted him. God rescued him, God saved him, God gave him life. And so in verses 4 and 5, David's urging others to join him, praising God for his goodness. To give thanks when we remember God. To know that while his anger may last for a moment, his favour is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Friends, we need to remember that God is in fact good. Maybe you need particularly reminded of that today. Maybe you're in a night of weeping. Maybe you are under a moment of God's anger. 
Let me assure you that, that all of it, all of the suffering and sorrow are for your good. It's hard to see that in the moment, isn't it? But it's for your good because it comes from the hand of a good God. There is not one thing that happens to a Christian person which we will not one day look back on and say, that was good for me. It might be that we have to wait 100,000 years to look back and say, that was good for me. But we will look back and be grateful, even for the hard times, even for the times of difficulty. And we will be thankful to God for his goodness. Maybe today you need to remember You need reminded that God is, in fact, good. How do we do that? Well, it's what David does. Look at the path that he takes. He looks back and he sees how God has rescued him in the past. I wonder if you can do that. Can you look back and say, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me? Can you look back to the cross and see that God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up, delivered him to death for your salvation? The Bible says that it pleased God to bruise Jesus. Not in an act of cruelty, but an act of mercy and grace. Because the only way you can be saved is through the blood of Christ. And so if God was willing to do that, willing to sacrifice his own son, how much more will he not also with him give us all things? Friends, remember that God is in fact good. There are difficulties in this world and I'm not minimizing any of them. Only you know what you are going through. But if you can look back and say, when Jesus died on that cross, it was for me. If you have trusted your life into the hands of God through Jesus, if you have been saved by his grace, if you've been made alive through the resurrection of Jesus, then you can say that God is in fact good. No matter what you're facing today or tomorrow or in the next weeks and months, You can know that weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. This psalm, I think, is so clearly a song of Jesus. Just think of the sorrow and difficulty that Jesus himself faced on the cross. He bled and died. He he hung there as an innocent man yet bearing the guilt of our sinfulness. He was mocked and beaten. He he had nails driven through his hands and his feet. He had a spear thrust into his side. Through all of that, didn't Jesus have to remember that God is in fact good? Didn't he have to remember that all of his suffering was worthwhile? Worthwhile because it was for your salvation? Didn't he have to remember that weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. 
Friends, it's interesting. But the path to joy in this psalm takes us through suffering. The way of the Christian life is to be like our saviour. The one who gives us the name Christian. And his path is certainly leading to joy. But first it goes through suffering. In those days and in those times, remember that God is in fact good. Secondly though, we must put away pride. You can see pride in David if you look at verse 6. See what he says in verse 6? Now in my prosperity I said, I shall never be moved. That's how it is for us sometimes. What we can do often in our lives, and I hear this sort of thing, I hear this sort of language, is that when bad things are happening, we blame God. We say, how can God allow X, Y, or Z to happen to me? And yet when good things are happening, we don't even figure God into the equation. We chalk up our success to our own ability, or our own work or effort. When something works out for us, when something good happens, we make a gain in work or in school, we forget to look to God. God who has put us in a situation to make those gains. Some of you maybe have gotten exam results in the last few weeks. And I do not doubt that hard work pays off. I used to be a school teacher. I have to say that and I believe it. Hard work pays off when it comes to exams and to schoolwork. But take a step back. How did we get into that school? Think about the blessings that you have with your teachers and your parents who have helped you get those exam results. Those who drive you to and from school or to the bus. Take a step even further back. You were born in this country with a great education system. Sometimes, again, I know this has been the case for some people here. We receive a a terrible diagnosis. And then on the other side of that, there's wonderful medical treatment. And what do we put that down to? Do we put it down to just good luck that we have a, a, a good medical care system? I was just lucky in the right place at the right time. Do we put it down to our own ability to pay for it? Or are we able to widen our focus and say this is from God? All of these blessings, these good things are from God. We have to put away pride and say it's not because of me, it's because of God that I'm in this situation. Friends, I want to be very clear that the Bible is not speaking about a vague idea of God. It's a personal and intimate God. When David realises what he has said in verse 6 about his prosperity, notice he's very quick in verse 7 to put away pride. He recognises that all he has, all his health and his status actually come from God. The God who knows him personally. The Lord, Yahweh. Verse 7. Lord, Yahweh, by your favour, you have made my mountain stand strong. And so when we speak about the good things that happen to us, when we look around and we count our blessings, 
And despite all of the difficulties we have, we do have many blessings. I want you to recognize that those blessings come from God. The God of the Bible who has revealed himself to us. He's told us his name. His name is Jesus. This isn't luck. It's not just, oh, somebody out there is looking out for me. It's not the big man upstairs. It's because the God who made the heavens and the earth loves you personally. He loves you. And he wants to bless you with goodness and with joy. He loves you so much that he sent his only son into the world that he made. So that you should not perish but have everlasting life. The path to joy in this psalm is about putting away pride and saying everything I have comes from God. In the good times and in the difficult times. So that when the day of trouble comes, you don't look to yourself to fix it. You look to God. You do what David does in verses 8 to 10. Cry out to God. Put away pride. Stop thinking that you have all the answers. Stop thinking that you know it all. Pray. Prayer is a powerful tool. And the whole point of prayer is confessing our helplessness to God. Verse 10. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. This is the cry of a man who has put away pride. And he recognizes that all he has comes from the hand of Almighty God. The path to joy so far. Remember that God is in fact good and put away pride finally. Praise God for his grace. Verses 11 and 12 are a testimony to the grace of God in the life of an individual. The contrast that David paints here is stark and it's beautiful. Just look at the transformation that grace makes in the life of a person. It's wonderful and dramatic. I love David's turn of phrase. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. What joy there is to be found in praising God for his grace. In praising God for the undeserved transformation of our hearts from stone to flesh. The way that we have been brought from darkness into light. Lifted from death to life. Our sins have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And we are told that God the Father will remember them no more. Not because of anything we've done but because of what Jesus has done in our place. Praise God for his grace. Because the resurrection changes everything. Folks, this is the best news ever. It gives a wonderful purpose to our existence. What is man's chief end? To glorify God with sad, dour faces? No. To glorify God and enjoy him. Forever. The purpose of our life here on earth and even into eternity is to enjoy God. It's encapsulated in the last two verses of this psalm. 
to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. That's what we're here for. O oh Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. That's why we exist. That's why we, we receive eternal life is so that we can give it and praise back to God. We praise God because he has rescued us from death. We praise him for his grace because death is precisely what we deserve. Each one of us is guilty. But we believe in the power of the blood of Jesus to forgive sinners. To forgive all sinners who will repent and believe. People who have done the worst of things. Evil and cruel and malicious things. Even they can be forgiven through the blood of Jesus. I think we could put the words of verse 9 on the lips of Jesus. Can you hear Jesus say to the Father, What profit is there in my blood? When I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Father, if, if I go to death and hell through this cross, what will it actually achieve? And the response of the Father is that, Yes. Those who are made from the dust of the earth will praise me. The dust will praise me. The prophet of your blood, son, is that the people who forget me, the people who are swelled with pride, the people who think that the good things in their lives come down to hard work or to luck, those people will be saved through your blood. And when you go down to the pit, their sin will go with you, but you will rise without it. And those whom I have made from the dust of the earth will receive everlasting life, so that they may praise and give thanks to me forever. What joy. What joy is found in Jesus. The path to joy, remember that God is in fact good. Put away pride and praise God for his grace. Well, let's join together in prayer before God. Let's pray.